Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome to After Hours. We're with Gary Van Sickle today. Gary is actually one of my favorite people, if not the favorite person to have on the show. Uh, We have kind of the same sense of humor. I don't know if that says much for well, that's a that's a demerit on your your part there. Yeah. That's good news for you. Um you were talking about the fried chicken sandwiches. I I read um uh, uh oh what was his name? Trip. He's an author, lives down there in Augusta, but he had the fried pork chop sandwiches that they used to get out at the caddy shack. This was a long time ago when he grew up there and he was actually a caddy there. But I've I've actually made a couple of those. Uh, they're pretty good, and so I'm I'm gonna have to take a take a run at making a fried chicken sandwich like that down there. Well, I, I read somewhere that uh, there's a chain of restaurants, using the word loosely, not only around Augusta but in, I guess in Georgia, and it's called Wife's Wife Saver. And apparently they have the recipe for that breading up on the chicken and you can get these things there. Ah. I don't know. You know, I don't have time in a master's week to be driving around looking for a wife saver place. But uh, yeah, the breading was kind of pepper. It was just a little bit of spice, but like a pepper, pepper in the breading. Sure. It wasn't like it was jalapenos or anything. No, no. It was just peppery. And it was, you know, and it was a piece, it was just a piece of fried chicken. It was. It was great, but you can see how, how can you have those sitting around in a storage area and then they're sitting out at a hot tent for several hours and you're selling them. They're not, they weren't refrigerated. So you can see how that potentially could have gone wrong from a legal standpoint. Yeah, but you know, those, those good old Southern boys down there, they've got a pretty tough constitution. I'm going to. Well, yeah, but the when the bean counters are in charge of everything. So yeah. <laughs> bean counters, the lawyers make the rules like we can't do that. We're going to get sued. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was the end of it. So it's a, yeah. it's a shame. But if I can find, if anybody knows where I can get a one of those sandwiches in Augusta somewhere, let me know. I don't think the wife saver rumor is really true, but somebody did write a big story about it. I think one of the Augusta guys a couple of years ago uh, I, did the, did the whole history of the fried chicken sandwich. So if you Google Masters Tournament Fried Chicken Sandwich. Uh, you might be able to find that story. I'd like to go reread that. I'll also, do a d- I'll do a deep dive for me you. Hungry. Yeah, I'll I'll do a deep dive for you on that because, of course, my other show is food show and stuff. So now you got me curious. Well, you know, uh, you, the Masters has a special. It, prob- it might it's probably too late to order, but you can order like a party size serving of the, the Masters concessions for yourself. 
and they deliver it to you on whatever day of the week, master's week you want. It serves like 12 to 16 people. You get the sloppy joes, whatever they call it, uh, sandwiches, and you get pimento cheese sandwiches. Uh, you get master's chips. You get a bunch of master's cups, I think. You get master's napkins. Um, I'm leaving some. You get some authentic master's uh, paperware. And it's you order it, and it's delivered to your house on Friday, and you have a master's party, and 12 people come over, and you sit around and eat the you eat the food that they're actually selling at the concession stand. It's a cool idea. It's $175. It's probably a pretty good deal, though, yeah. if, if you want to have a, a unique party. But you're really getting the, I think it's, I think they're the beef sandwiches or hot beef, but it really is a sloppy joe. It's, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's fine dining, but it's a one of a kind deal that it comes right from Augusta. It's the real thing. You're making me hungry, buddy, because we're it's it's damn near noon out here on the West Coast. So it's, it's almost lunchtime. Um, let's get let's talk about the uh, the guys that are playing this year. Uh, two things. Uh, who's your odds on favorite going in? I mean, that can change with the wind, so it it doesn't. But if if uh, Gary Van Sickle was saying, here are my three guys to watch this year, who would that be? Well, I, I Scotty Scheffler, I'm a big believer in him. He he plays well at the same courses. He's got everything. He's got that artistic guy. He chips like crazy. He putts like crazy. He's able to play those big crazy greens well. Sure. And he's long. He's got the whole package. It, you know, he's Jordan Spieth, only 25 yards longer than Jordan. Um. I'm not a believer in Roy McIlroy that he can really win there. I don't think he's he's just not a, an artist on the greens. And to putt the greens with that slope and that speed, you kind of have to have an artist's eye. That said, Sergio Garcia won a Masters. So did Vijay Singh. So you can have a week where you just ball strike it so well that you got 10-footers uphill all day for the whole week. And, and nobody else plays well. So I'm not saying he can't win, but... I'm saying, and he's got, you know, he needs that for the Grand Slam. He's been embroiled in all this elevated event stuff and the live golf. He's got a lot going on. Um, I, I don't think I would be betting him this year, but I don't think he's going to win a Masters. But that said, I, Sergio was the last guy who would ever win a Masters, and he won one. So right. everybody would like to see Rory win one. That'd be great. And I think you've got to have, you know, John Rahm has really improved his game, his iron play. I mean, he was, I like that short abbreviated swing he has. And I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm kind of surprised somebody isn't teaching a swing like that. A short, simple swing would be great for a lot of amateurs, I think. But he, he his iron game used to be loose and he hits it all. He misses a lot of greens despite driving it great. This year, he's, dropping those irons in a lot closer, and that's why he's won three times. So I think you have to have Rom on your short list. You know, if you're drafting a three- or four-man team, you got to have Rom. you got to have Scheffler. I think you got to have Jordan Spieth. He's been playing well. He's had some glitches. But he had glitches when he won those majors in 2015. Yeah. he's an, Again, he's an artist who sees, you know, and – when he was at his best in 2015 and 16, he was 
hitting it closer than anybody. He was like number one in proximity from a lot of distances. He's one of the best iron players uh, when he's swinging well, much like Tiger. So that's that's really a key to Augusta. You got to hit it close and below the hole. Yeah, that gives you a chance. Oh, yeah. Any he chips and putts like it. So those, I think, I think Scheffler, Spieth, and Rom are the three guys I would I would pick right out of the gate. Uh long shot favorite, dark horse for for you. I should have spent some time thinking about that. Um, I don't know. I don't probably Min Woo Lee isn't, isn't ready yet. Um, I should have a list in front of me. There's somebody like Billy Horschel who at, when he's playing his best, he's pretty darn good. Uh, somebody like him can do it. Justin Rose has played better this year and he always plays well there. I don't know if he's still got the putter he used to have. I mean, the putting stroke, if you still can putt it well enough, but Justin Rose has been an early round leader a lot of times at Augusta. And uh, that was he. Yeah, he lost in a playoff, didn't he, to yeah. uh, Sergio? So he's he's a guy to keep, you know, you kind of forget about him. He did win Pebble Beach this year, so it's not like he's washed up. No. I guess he wouldn't really count as a long shot. There's some young guys uh, I just don't know much about in what we've seen this year, these guys are coming out of the woodwork. Taylor Moore, uh, Eric, Eric, uh, who was the guy who almost won Honda? He's not in the Masters, but no, there's some young guys to watch out for. But um, Cameron Young, he's not a sleeper either, but I like him. I, I, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff, we're forgetting the live guys. Cameron Smith is a guy who can win a Masters any year. Is can he did has he been able to stay sharp enough competing on the forty eight man live golf outings? I don't know, but I would Cameron Smith is a guy who's almost won a couple of major a masters. Right. I I think he's definitely a guy who's got what it takes to win a masters. That was actually my next question. Is I I wonder how the interactions and stuff will be between the live guys. And the regular tour guys. Now it's Augusta, so they're not going to put up with any funny business, if you will. Um, no shouting matches, or and I doubt if there would be that anyway. But I, I'm just wondering, and you'll have to give us a report on this later. But I wonder how the, if you will, the air around them is going to be. It, it's it's going to be interesting for me to see that. Yeah, I think these guys were the guys who were friends with other players will still be friendly and won't be a problem. The guys who have, you know, if you were to have a Sergio and Rory pairing or some guys who have made comments that made it personal, right? There may be some a little friction there, but all you're going to do is have a silent round. You, I don't think guys are going to say anything or whatever. And if they do, it's going to be set on the range, and it'll be it'll be over before they get to the first tee, but. There, there might be some tension, and rest assured that people in the people in the media will play it up to the hilt if they can. You know, much like the largely bogus feud between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. Right. You know, that's just that's they. Everybody's looking for something sexy and sensational, even if it's not true. And you know, it's the TMZ idea that the Entertainment Weekly, uh, Entertainment Nightly. What's that? Entertainment Tonight, the TV Entertainment show. Entertainment Tonight, yeah. Just horrible Hollywood gossip, just abysmal. 
Yeah, that people like that apparently. So if there's any if there's any of what you're talking about happens, they will uh somebody will be latching onto that and make it a big deal out of it. I don't I don't really think it'll happen. I mean, if it happens, it's gonna be more not because of Liv, it's because a lot of guys just can't stand Sergio or Patrick Reed personally. Right. Not because they went to live and are in a lawsuit. So I, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I just find it uh, I, I just kind of find it interesting that actually the the diatribe has kind of been tamped down a little bit prior to the Masters. And like you said, somebody will somebody in the media, if they hear something or see something or there's an innuendo, they might try to blow that up a little bit. But you know, it's just the masters and you're they're gonna let you play, so play. And well, you know, if it's gonna happen, it'll probably happen at the champions dinner Tuesday night, where they have a nice dinner and of course an open bar. So <laughs> yeah. you know, you know what I mean? You've been to Christmas parties with your family or people from the office. You put somebody puts down three drinks there and a different person, all of a sudden they start shooting their mouth off. Yeah. Or uh, depending on what stage of uh, you may recall in Dan Jenkins novel, he had the 10 stages of drunkenness. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, invisible and bulletproof were a couple right. of them. Yeah. Witty yeah. and charming, witty and charming part two. Yeah. You put a few drinks down. You could be some words said, but we'll probably never hear about that if it does happen. But yeah, that would be that would be the place. Let let those guys get some Southern whiskey down and by well, the way, by the way, Reed. Yeah. Yeah. I can, uh, you know, I could see, uh, O'Meara or, you know, Gary player or one of those Gary's, well, you know, Fred couples, uh, openly, openly criticized a lot of these guys just like a week or two ago. Yeah. So he, he might get some blowback at that dinner from Sergio or someone else. Or I mean, he called somebody. them all a bunch of clowns. I think really involving more because of the lawsuit. But uh, he, he it, some so a couple of guys took that personally. Fred might, Fred might have somebody get in his face after a couple of drinks. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh yeah, that could happen. And I think that um, security would be right there. Well, <laughs> Fred's Fred's a non-confrontational guy. He's a delightful person. I think he'd probably just say, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I, that was, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. I don't, right. I don't think he, Fred would get into a fight. Also, he's got a bad back. So I don't think he dares throw a hard left. No, no. He'll have to finish his career off with that. So let's, uh, something we haven't talked about before we go into our lightning round here. I, well, who, I, are you, who are you picking? Well, my heart still says tiger. Okay. I mean that's not realistic. I get that, but I'm looking at I'm looking at either uh, Rom or Scheffler. That those are my Jordan would be third for me, but you know in my mind I think yeah it'd be great if Tiger won the Masters one more time. Not realistic. I get that, but that's kind of a daydream on my part. But I would look at I would pick uh, Rom and then uh, Scotty. And then probably Jordan third, yeah, for, for me. Well, I, I, Cam Smith, I think you got to mention him. Yeah, he's been second runner-up twice. Who knows where Dustin Johnson is? I think he only won the Masters because it was in November and everything was softer and slower. 
but Cameron Smith is he he's he, he can do it. He can get it up and down from anywhere, and he's one of the best putters in the world. Um, I wouldn't discount him. And there's some there's there's some young guys who might not be as odd at this place as others. You know, Morikawa and McElroy had a great finish last year, but Morikawa hasn't really kind of found it this year. Well, so and you could, he finds you could... it shortly. Uh, I, I don't see him, but he another here's another guy. Here's a, here's a long shot pick. The guy who's really played well and gotten a swing back and seems to be putting better since he put a fat grip on his putter is Ricky Fowler. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how many years has it been since he won? He kind of, you know, he didn't he was... play himself off. A, he didn't play his way out of those TV commercials. He's still getting the endorsements, but. He played really bad for quite a while, and I guess his putting stroke went away, among other things. But he's working really hard. He's been in contention going into Sunday a few times this year, so he's in the process of building himself back up. And uh, he did finish second to Patrick Reed that one year, so he's a guy who knows that course and can play it. Now, that's a big ass for a guy to break out of a slump by winning the Masters, but that's a sleeper pick. So that, get your that... bets down early and often. Well, and I would say uh, maybe Max or Sam Burns. Yeah, you know, those, they're, those they're, are... they're floating around out there. Yep. Max yeah. Holm is the real deal. Yeah. He's not some West Coast guy who played a couple good tournaments in the West Coast. He's got a great all-around game. Uh, he'd be, you know, he's he's kind of already unofficially in that star group that tv yep. shows you yep. notice you watch on yep. tv if max home is playing you see him yep and yep. he's in that group now so he's he's right there he's poised so i wanted to i wanted to skip over just for a minute because i, I want to do the lightning round with you because it's fun but i was looking at the uh an article about from the sports business journal about live and their television viewers and and I do this not just for this show, but I'm interested in, you know, TV numbers and stuff. And um, <clears throat> the the average viewership from um, Arizona last week was 284,000 on uh, Saturday. And um, on Sunday, it was 274,000. So you went. You, you lost about 10. And then uh, down at Mayakoba, they had 286. And so the, the reason I throw those numbers out, Gary, is this. Live is going to put out its own numbers. They actually are getting their numbers from a ad agency slash PR firm. These numbers kind of come from, well, these do come from Nielsen, which is standard in the industry. And these are also what we call spot numbers, which it's it, it's quick. You get these numbers overnight. And that's what's, again, standard in television, whether it's news or programming on CBS or whatever. I'm just uh, – and then it says here that, what, 20, 24% of the homes in the country are 29 million people wouldn't have even been able to watch Live at Tucson because – their local CW affiliate did not carry the coverage. They didn't want to do it. So, so there goes another 220 viewers. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, uh, 
I mean, they're they're trying to put a good face on it, and I understand that, and I would probably do that if I was I was in their position. But it's a pretty tough road when you've got not even a a secondary broadcaster, but you're down the ranks when you're doing CW. And don't get mad at me, people who work at CW, because we have a we have one of them here in Portland. But it's, I think they took what they could get at the end because normally, well, they, yeah, they found somebody who would take their stuff. They didn't even get paid. Yeah, so it's like giving it away. You know, if you ask me before this happened. What channel on your cable system is a C is the CW? I would say I have no idea. Right. That's, I never watch it. Right. So look, ESPN has proven if you feed people something often enough, you will build an audience. And you cross, I mean, they're they're the kings of cross cross promotion. They have turned English soccer league football, Premier League, and all that stuff. That's 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 prime viewing on the weekend in the mornings over here. And of course they cross promote it on they have it on their highlights uh during Sports Center. In uh-huh. fact, you'll notice anything they show, somehow one of the highlights manages to make its way into the top ten of the day every day. Yep. So they build an audience by showing it. Now the problem with Liv is it's not on often enough to build to maybe build that audience the way ESPN would. You know, soccer's on every every weekend or whatever, day, you know, in other yeah. days. Uh, live, if you're only on, you know, 8 or 10 or 12 or 14 times during the whole year, how are people going to know where to find you and when to find you? So I think the concept is good. You have to be on a network, but I don't think they have enough. You know, the PG Tour is on every week. Right. And you know, you people who watch it, they know, oh, it's at Honda. That means it's on you know, NBC this week, or it's on CBS. People even know which network it's on because there's a tradition and it goes on. I don't see how you build that with Liv and CW. And, you know, the main problem is who do they have that you really want to watch? Who do you have that you really care about? Dustin Johnson? I don't, I don't think he sold one ticket in his life. Cameron Smith is interesting, but He's got zero personality. He's fun to watch because he gets up and down. And he's a great putter, but I don't think he has a huge fan following. And after that, you know, Shambo is damaged goods, completely lost his game. Brooks Kepka appears to be damaged goods. That's why he took the money. Patrick Reed, you know, he's the villain. I, they, These are outings. They have no tradition. They have no history. They're not even pl- going to the same courses they went last year, the same cities. Right. What kind of, you know, what kind of, there's no stability there. How do you, the tournaments don't even have names as far as I know. They're just, oh, it's the Portland, whatever, classic. Right. Well, are they coming to Portland this year? Nope. So why would people in Portland, you know, it's yeah. gone. It's just, it's it's an exhibition series. And I don't see how they ever get traction with that. Their only hope is to make it a team game. It's all about the teams. Like a like Major League Baseball, and there's trades and a draft and a general manager and contract disputes and and maybe then because of betting being legal in a lot of states, maybe then that could be interesting. But I think the main problem is there's a big who cares about the outcome because who cares about the players? And the only the only thing that could have made it work would have been if Tiger Woods was healthy and they could have given him two billion dollars to play. 
if they had landed Tiger and he could play some, that might have made a difference. But they got Mickelson, who was the second best answer, but he can't play. You know, he's not. He's like th- ranked thirtieth in the out of the top four of the forty-eight guy. I mean, right? They just don't have a. There's no must-see TV there. Well, they're they're not going to come watch Kevin Naw. You know, <laughs> I mean. Oh yeah, we had Hudson Swafford, but oh, he's out. He's injured this year. Oh, what a what a shame. Yeah, yeah. They they just don't have a draw, and even if they, you know, there's only one guy that would that could make it work, and you know he can't play more than once a month. So I don't see where this goes anywhere until, you know, like, can the team thing change it? I don't know. I think they need to stop doing the individual portion and just play team golf because now you have a real alternative to PGA Tour. Sure. And sure. that maybe would be different instead of playing the same thing the Tour does. You know, do, go ahead. You're trying to be different. Well, then go all in and be different. But right. still, it's exhibition golf. Do I care that – the four aces beat the majestics. I don't think I'm ever going to care personally. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't turn it on to watch it for a yeah, while. Yeah. Golf is golf. Yeah. No, absolutely. So um, I don't think we did the lightning round with you the last time you were on. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So if you could play golf with one of your golfing heroes, who would it be? Live or dead, it doesn't matter. We'll dig them up if they. Yeah, gone. well, you know, alive or dead, be hard not to go with Bobby Jones. Yeah, but I think everybody in their right mind would want to play with Tiger and Nicholas. Well, oh, I, you know, you know what? I t- I'm changing my answer. I'm going with Hogan. Okay, was he really that good? I don't care if he didn't talk to me the whole round, except to rag on me for not hitting a fade when I should have. <laughs> I'd want to play with Hogan to see for myself. How good he was. How good that was. Yeah. Um, If we declared Gary Van Sickle supreme leader of golf for one day, what would your supreme decree be? Uh, I stumped you. That's a good one. Uh, Tournament golf. We're going to have a, we're going to have one tournament a year. Ahead of Europe, I'm going to call it the Shot Clock Masters. We're going to have a shot clock. Everybody has 35 seconds to play a shot. No excuses. Buzzer goes off. You're going to bring buzzer beaters to golf. Here's Mickelson. He's got a putt. There's only seven seconds left. He may not get this off. He got it off just. Oh, he's made it. You know. There you go. Shot clock. There you go. I like it. Um. Gary, what was the worst tournament you ever covered? Wow. I know there's probably been a few. The PGA Championship at Kiowa Island, the first time we went there because there was a traffic was unbelievable. It took like three hours to go, you know, six miles. Uh, what year was that? Was the year uh, 2010, I think, or 11? Rory won it by, you know, like eight. You couldn't get in or out of the place. It was, and they knew it. They insisted on parking cars on Kiowa Island because a former PGA of America official is is part of the Kiowa Island ownership, and that money went. They were charging twenty five bucks a day, I think, and I figured it out that they were probably getting about uh, netting one point five or two million for parking cars there. But because of that, 
there was a traffic jam every day and people quit coming on the weekend because they they gave up trying to get there. Yeah. Oddly enough, CBS and the blimp never showed that line of that nine mile line long of cars. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's the damnedest thing. Um, <clears throat> if you could erase one mistake from your past, what would it be? I mean, shit, I got a list 10 miles long. So for me. Yeah. But... Uh, I would erase the, I was pitching summer league ball against the rival team. They were beating us seven, nothing top of the ninth. They got two outs, this big guy who I think didn't like me, but he hit a dribbler down the first baseline. I was just going to politely tag him out. He decided to take me out. Kind of wreck my knee up. I should. I would step out of the way and throw to first base, because now that knee is shot and it's his fault. But I'm not bitter. I I know a doctor that can fix that for you. Um, if you could dine with one historical figure in golf, who would it be, and what would be on the menu? Well, I think it would be Bobby Jones, and I'd make him eat a pimento cheese sandwich and see how he likes it. Uh, this, this is your great this is the world's wonder inland course bobby here's a pimento cheese sandwich you're serving at your club this is the best you can do all right here's one you'll love gary <clears throat> if you were on death row what would your last meal be it won't be pimento, pimento and cheese. cheese yeah honestly I think I would go with a medium rare hamburger and some really greasy fries. Hard to beat that. Yep. And of course, a a chocolate malt. Got to have a chocolate malt. Um, what's one thing you miss about your twenties? Uh, I could say hair, but I don't really miss it. I would say, uh, you know, just the physical mobility, being able to go sprint whenever I wanted, run, you know, yep. play touch football, all the things you can do when you're young and and all that. I used to think, why would I never not run at some place, no matter how old I get? Oh, because I didn't know at the time that body parts aren't going to work. That's why. So I would say that. Um, what's the hardest part of your job as an independent journalist? Uh, well, you know, now it's tr the hard part is trying to find somebody to pay enough money to justify traveling anywhere to cover it, mm -hmm. which is more of the business. But, you know, the hard tell you the hard part is, hey, we need you to write a master's preview story. I have been writing them for 40 years. What's left? <laughs> what am I, you know, then writing about the current players. What am, okay, the course changes, but. You know what is there? I've I've written, two, I've written twenty Masters previews too many, uh, or any tournament previews. It's just you feel like you're repeating yourself. It's you know, so you have to make an effort. But yeah, it's Masters preview. Well, you know what do you? It's uh, uh, I, I get it. I that's a tough it. one. What uh, uh, revert back to something we were talking about in the regular show. You said that Augusta National is buying up all the land. There was one uh, older couple that had a yep. house. Did they ever get that bought? As of that, that house was still there last year in the middle of the parking lot. Um, 
where the media park. So as of last year, it, they're still clinging to it. And I, I have not heard that it's been sold. So I, I but I'm not, I, I that, that's a, you know, that's one of the first things I'm going to check when I get there, I'm going to look that up. I don't okay. think, I think they even, they said, we're going to, it's going to, I think their son or whoever's going to inherit it said, yeah, we're never selling, but that's easy to say until somebody offers you, you know, $5 million, $5 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so if we put your skills, whether it's golf or writing or your old baseball skills or whatever, but if we put your skills to music, what would the music be? Probably the theme song from Charlie Brown. I don't know. Remember when the, uh, on the Charlie Brown shows, whenever the, the adults spoke, it was wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what my skills sound like. Okay. <laughs> Much like quacking, which is my ringtone on my phone. Right. But it's geese, right? Not ducks. Right. It's, it's a long way to say, yeah, I don't think my skills are that great at anything. What clubs are you playing these days? Just that's my question. That's not one. You know what? I discovered before the merchandise show, I was given a chance to try out the new Cobra irons and they're incredible. So I am playing Cobra irons. I've got a Titleist driver that has the magical South Korean shaft, the Autoflex shaft. You got to get one, but you have to find somebody who knows how to set it up for you. Um, I picked up like uh, about 10 yards on the launch monitor. Wow. It, it was, it's awesome. And the, sh- the catch is the shaft is about $780. So how much, how bad do you want to hit it farther, Jeff? You want 10 more yards? Cost you 780. And it's been, a, I've had that in my driver for a year and a half. I don't regret a cent of it. It's been worth every penny. Really? I'll yeah. Have to, I'll have to consider that. When my wife's in Europe again. Uh, the other wild card is I've got a new putter in my bag. It's the caliber putter called the right one. It's the putter on the, it's a putter head, your putter head. They can put it on the end of a hockey stick shaft. And so, you you know, they basically say just pass the puck. So this, you get, you get used to that flat sided hockey shaft and, you know, you can slide. Now it enables you to, I start sliding my hand down the grip. I'm putting with a split grip a lot of times. Uh, not that it's golf season here yet, but if you have problems with a short putts, you slide your hand way down, to, like near the hosel of the club, like a hockey player is going to shoot a slap shot. Do you know how easy it is to make a three-foot putt when your hand's down by the head of the putter on this thing? Well, it must be if like... If you have just... a problem with flinching or anything like that, with the Y word, yeah, this is the putter for you. It's phenomenal. It's the caliber caliber golf, the right one. They're from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Their slogan is, it's a great day for golf, which is a takeoff on former Olympic coach and University of Wisconsin coach, Bob Johnson. He actually also coached the Penguins to a Stanley Cup. He was a hockey nut, and he always rubbed his mouth and go, yeah, it's a great day for hockey. <laughs> so that was his catchphrase, so they changed it to, it's a great day for golf. That putter is for real, even though it looks crazy. I'll have to look that up. I'll have to look that up. Um, do you think you'll ever retire? Probably. 
the fact that I've hit 40 masters means I get a parking spot with my name on it, reserved parking by the by the mass the press center. That that sign makes it harder to retire. It's like I got a sign. I kind of need to go. Do they let you take it with you when sign. you're done? When you're so, done, are they gonna let I, yeah, you? Yeah, that might have that might have knocked me back a couple of years. Okay. When it quits being fun, I'll quit. But you know, when it when I if I have to pay a lot of money, just you know, if it's turning into a hobby where I'm losing money, like, well, then I'm then I'm done. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. You, will you ever retire? Probably not. Yeah, I'll always do something. I may not do it as much as I'm doing right now, but I'll always have my hand in it a little bit somewhere. It, so. It's like when somebody asked Julius Boris if he was going to retire, and he said, "What am I going to do? Play golf and fish? I do that now." Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, last question. Travel has changed over the past, well, really over 30 years. It used to be kind of fun to travel. Um, when I was flying back and forth across the country, across the world a lot, I always enjoyed it. Now, I don't like it so much. You know, they've jammed three more rows of seats in the airplanes. There's no leg room. You know, you used to get some semblance of a meal on a flight, even if you were in the economy section. Now that's all out the window. Um, over the years, what would you describe as the best parts of your travel covering golf and then the worst parts? Well, the best part was when you flew enough, you got perks and got upgraded yep. into first class. Yep. Uh and in fact, the ultimate perk was somehow Sports Illustrated got involved with some clients who were involved in the Ryder Cup. And for some reason, I had to go with them on the – I flew with the team and a bunch of SI clients on the Concorde over to Spain for the Ryder Cup. So I got to fly in the Concorde because of that. That's cool. Which was nuts. And there and they had there were people uh they had celebrities. John Havlicek was on the we had hired some celebrities, or I say we, it's like the ad guys, whoever yeah. put this thing together. They probably sold some big package, but all these other people were on this flight with the team. And uh that was pretty nuts. They got in the middle of the flight, you know, Tom Kite or somebody got up and hits a putt down the aisle from the front of the plane to the back, and the pilot has some stats as well. They, Tom Kite just hit the longest putt in history. By the time it got to the back of the plane, and we covered, you know, 476 miles, uh, things like that. And, of course, the worst part is flying on the puddle jumpers. Yeah. Uh, I used to live in Connecticut, and I frequently flew out of New Haven or Bridgeport on a commuter plane to Westchester or Philly or somewhere to catch a bigger flight. And you get that one day where it's 50-mile-an-hour winds. And you're up there, and there were 14 people on this plane. And uh, I think 12, 11 or 12 of them threw up. And I'll be honest, I was close. Because you're you're in this, you're sitting in with your seatbelt on, and all of a sudden, you're yep. in the air slightly, even though you're – and then you're down. And it was – that will make you swear off commuter flights for a good year. So that was uh, – that was, that was a, not a fun flight, but – uh, those things happen, and of course you have cancellations and 
Oh yeah. Way often now. I just had when I went to the airport to go to Phoenix and 7 a.m. in the morning, or uh, my flight was at 7. I get there and I can't check in. And it says, Oh, you're early. I'm like, what do you mean I'm early? My flight was canceled. It was scheduled for the next day. It's like, well, that's not gonna work. And uh they wound up getting me to Phoenix that day, but I had to fly from Pittsburgh to JFK first. And then from JFK, you know, now it's 500 miles farther. Talking about you when you're sitting there with your bent knee that long. Now I'm in row 33, the last row of the plane on a window seat jammed in there for a six-hour flight. Mm -hmm. So I got there, but it was like a 14-hour travel day. So, yeah, travel. Why didn't, you know, we need to be flying. uh, We need to be flying private jets. I don't know why we don't. Oh, maybe it's that. $10,000 $10,000 per flight thing that holds us back. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's, I've, I've thought about that a lot, but that's as far as it's gotten is thinking. Yeah. That we should look into net jets just to see how much I can't afford it. But yeah. the <laughs> fantasy of that is great. Yes. Yeah, it is. Gary Van Sickle. Thank you, buddy, for, uh, for being with us again today. Enjoy the masters. I will see you there next year. Um, but well, well, you go out and enjoy the old course this afternoon. It looks like a beautiful day in Scotland. It is. It is. And uh, I'm going to go uh, have some bangers and mash and that kind of stuff. When try, to, try to stay out of the principal's nose and hell's bunker. I will. I will. That's going to wrap it up for After Hours, folks. We appreciate you being with us this week. I'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours. Until then, take care. Be kind.